This is The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. I'm Alexia Gordon, author and host of the podcast. Join me and listen in as I chat with authors writing on the less gritty side of crime. You won't find graphic sex or violence. You will find intriguing plots, engaging characters, and entertaining writing. Welcome, listeners. Welcome, listeners, to the Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. I'm Alexia Gordon, author and host of the podcast. Joining me today is Nancy Cole Silverman, author of the Carol Childs Mysteries and the Misty Dawn Mysteries. Welcome, Nancy. Hi, thank you for having me. Your first Misty Dawn mystery, The House on Hallowed Ground, premiered in 2019. So tell us about Misty Dawn and her first mystery. Well, Misty Dawn was pulled with a character that was pulled from my Carol Childs mysteries. She is a aging former Hollywood psychic to the stars. So she's about 70 years old and she is, uh, had been consult to people like Liz Taylor, the Gabor sisters, and she had a certain present, former president's wife on speed dial. And, uh, she kind of, out, her clientele outaged her, and so they've kind of moved on, and she has kind of found herself on hard times. And she had come to California in the late 60s in her VW Volkswagen. She's a former love power child and was selling love potions out of the back of her VW van and realized that she was kind of a clairvoyant. And so she started reading fortunes, and then she kind of fell on hard times, so she would house sit, and a former client of hers comes and says to her, you know, you can't keep selling, telling fortunes out of the back of a van. Nobody's going to believe you. This is L.A. And she says, but I think I can help. I have a brother who's passed on, and he's left me his house, and he was a former set designer. So why don't you go move in there, and you can read for me for free. That would be great. And so she moves in, but the brother has not passed. The brother is what you call a shade. And a shade is a person that's caught between the worlds. And uh, they, become, he, they work together to solve mysteries. Uh, somebody comes to the front door and, you know, needs their fortune read, their, you know, needs some help and guidance. And so together they work to solve crimes. And it's been a fun uh, companionship. It's a little bit like the ghost in Mrs. Muir or yes. Topper, if you remember that from uh, way back when. <laughs> ghost in Mrs. Muir is one of my favorites. So it's a light-handed touch. Um, Misty appeared on the pages. I was I was very unaware that was a series I was going to write. Um, I had uh, sat down and was going to do another Carol Childs mysteries because uh, my background was talk radio and Carol Childs was an investigative reporter. And I was all ready to write uh, the sixth book in the Carol Childs mysteries. And I was sitting down and there was the bank page and there was Misty Dawn and she would not be denied. And she kept saying, no, no, write me, write me. <laughs> and I thought, well, this is kind of interesting because I really don't know much about psychics other than, you know, you, in California, there's probably a psychic on every corner. And I thought, well, I was going to have to do some research. So I started interviewing psychics. Not that I wanted to have my fortune read. I didn't, <laughs> unless they were going to tell me the series was going to sell just like hotcakes, but <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> which is always good. You want to hear that. But I 
decided that I would ask them, well, who visits you and how often do they visit? And, you know, are there such things as psychic junkies, which I discovered there were, and that, you know, psychics can't read themselves. And I've discovered a whole lot of things about psychics I didn't know. And so I thought, well, this could maybe, I could kind of have some fun with this. So that was the beginning of Misty Dawn. I really started to give her legs. She didn't have as much color to her in the Carol Childs mysteries as she has now taken over uh, in this book and does. And she comes back in the house that Vanity built, which is the second mystery in the new series. What's she up to the second time out? Well, and the first, this is only was ever going to be a, a trilogy uh, because it really this is the story of Misty moving into her own quarters as a 70 plus year old woman who has had success with reading uh, and finding uh, and solving crimes. She's worked with the FBI and the and LAPD, so she's well respected. She's older. She's heavy set. She really has trouble kind of keeping up with things. She's not terribly computer savvy, but she's got this sidekick who is this shade, who she's explained to the reason you're here is, is shades kind of are people who are stuck in the world. And there's a reason the universe doesn't know what to do with you. And he's kind of very snappy. And he says, well, you mean I'm going to earn my wings or not? And she says, well, yeah, maybe, <laughs> you know, if you help me solve crimes, you may endear yourself to the universe and that may help them make it yours make a decision about you one way or the other and he really doesn't want to be sitting around and listening to as he says just women come in and talk about well do you think I have a future with this man or not he thinks that's kind of silly so when people do come up he comes into the room every once in a while and every once in a while he said oh this is an interesting case and in the first case it happens to be a young actress who's shown up and she is there because she needs help and she asks she thinks her house is haunted, and Misty explains there's a lot of that going around these days. And so she says, well, why don't you come to my estate tomorrow? It's the, the, the Pink Mansion. And they go to visit the Pink Mansion the next day, and indeed, the house is haunted. But even more than that, the police are there because they've discovered a body. And so that leaves that. And that really brings Misty and Wilson, her shade, into the ability to work together because Wilson is just fascinated by the fact that this is like a, a Drew Barrymore type of actress. And you know, he just wants to know a lot about her family. So that is their first experience. The second experience is a little different because a young girl shows up and this is the house that Vanity built. And each of these, um, Misty lives in LA, by the way. And so you have a city that's busy. It's very, a lot of different cultures together. There's a lot of big mysterious houses, some mansions, and then parts of town, which are not that, which are, you know, very diverse and different uh, cultures and foods and so forth. So you get to go through the city because it is as much a personality as is, as is Misty or, or Wilson. And so the second is a young girl who shows up and she uh, is engaged, but she's lost her engagement ring. And she is thinking, well, maybe you could find this. And she says, I don't do this. But then the mystery unfolds and we undercover the fact that, uh, that she's engaged to uh, the heir to a huge cosmetics company. And that is, and they live in what is known as the house that Vanity built. And so the mystery begins there. And it's, each book is its own individual mystery. Uh, mystery. And you, know, you mentioned that Misty's sidekick, Wilson, is a shade. So what's the difference between a shade and a ghost? Well, a shade is that that the universe doesn't know what to do with. They just haven't fully passed. And when I was interviewing psychics, I thought, you know, and, and, and I'm not 
it all psychic, <laughs> you know, but I, I think having been a reporter, this was actually in my advantage because I could take an occupation that somebody really believes in and ask them questions about it. And so I treated this as I would have treated any any news story I had ever come on. If I was interviewing a, a, a veterinarian, I wanted to find out how they'd come about it, and what they saw and what they did. So I asked these psychicists, so what, what are you experiencing? What types of, when you say that you have a, a medium that helps you talk to people, how do you do that? And she says, oh, no, the psychics I spoke to said, oh, there are shades. And shades are those spirits that have not evolved on because there's a kind of, as I understand it, kind of elevations on the other side of the veil as there are in life. Everybody has their platform and their, their pecking order, if you will. And a shade is, a, is simply a, a spirit that hasn't passed on fully because the universe has undecided what to do with them. Believe that as you like. <laughs> but it made for fabulous mystery. And so when people ask me these questions, I go, you do realize this is fiction. <laughs> so I actually have as much fun playing with my reader as I do with them, my characters on the page, teasing me. <laughs> because this is fiction, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> now you talked about how you you approached your research the way you approached your uh an interview in your former career as a reporter and carol mm -hmm. childs the protagonist from your first series is also a reporter but so how is mm -hmm. being a radio reporter uh, we we're chatting about this a little earlier how was it different now versus when you were still in the business Oh, that's a good question, Alexia. Um, <laughs> you know, I was in the business when we pioneered the whole format of talk radio, uh, it, because that really wasn't a very big business way back when. It was, it, it was you know, on the AM dial, there was, there was uh, used to be music, and then it became sports, and that was predominantly a male-dominated AM band and so forth. And so um, I retired as general manager of the sporting news radio station, one of two female general managers in the in the country, as a matter of fact. It was kind of unusual for a female to be in that business back then. So it was a lot of fun. Uh, and the talk format was, if, if I can say it was more genteel, it was more balanced. Um, and so you would have a reporter who would go out and they would ask questions and they might try to get involved in how a story became a story. What, was the, what were the legs behind the story and the questions? Uh, so that was just my training in my beginning. Um, and I retired after 25 years and I enjoyed it and it was great. And when I sat down and I thought, what am I going to do? I thought, you know what? Now I can make it up. I never made it up before. <laughs> <laughs> Making it up is fun. Not one word. <laughs> Not one word. It all had to be validated. <laughs> A minimum of three sources. <laughs> and they had to be credible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, being a, a reporter, you say, it helped you with your research for uh, this, this current Misty Dawn series by helping you interview psychics and, and ask questions. But what kind of challenges did you face when you were actually writing a character who's a shade? How did you uh, make sure that your protagonist solves the mystery using her own wits and skills instead of relying solely on supernatural help? Well, and that is Misty's problem, not my problem. <laughs> so let me separate myself from this character. Because Misty has admitted, she said, you know, everybody can, everybody can be psychic. I'm not, she does not use tarot cards. She does not, you know, uh, believe in, in, in anything that, other than just reading someone's energy. So if you walked into her house, you're not going to see candles and tarot cards and a, and a crystal ball. That she just doesn't believe in. And she poo-poo's that. 
she really feels like it's a matter of reading someone's energy. And she said, you know, everybody, and, and I've explained this very carefully, and it's been kind of fun to kind of take it apart because by taking it apart, these were the questions I asked psychics, and I was able to pull it back into my story as though Misty were explaining it to the reader. And that is that everybody is born with some psychic ability. It's just intuition. But from the time we're little, little kids sometimes will think they have a, you know, a, a, a mysterious partner that visits them or a little a playmate that they have. And their parents will tell them, well, honey, that's really cute. But we know that's not real, right? And they'll go, okay, it's not real because I'm not, you know, parents aren't buying this. And so they'll dismiss it. Um, and from, you know, you kind of just, as Misty explains, it's really bred out of you from the time you're a child. But those people that have kept it and embraced it, you know, if you, it's like anything. If you play the piano and you practice every day, you get better at it. And so she really believed and does believe that she had a psychic gift. And so, but she bases it upon intuition. And she realizes when she's dealing with uh, the police or with the FBI and she's trying to solve a crime, that she can't just say, you know what, oh, I feel this and follow me and I'll show you. She's got to be able to give them as her. Uh, detective that she deals with in all three of these books, this Detective Romero, he says, you got to give me facts, things I can carry into a court and charge. And he says, you can't just tell me I feel this. And so she's got to use her connection with Wilson and come forth and with, with actual physical evidence. And this has been kind of fun as to how she's done it. And, and there's several situations where she's been able to masquerade as something other than herself in order to get people to confide in her so that she can then come up with a prop or a piece of evidence that she can take to the detective. And, and as he said, you can't take it out of a crime scene. If you take it out of a crime scene, it's, it's been, you know, tainted. So then she's got to be able to, to take enough of that evidence back to bring the detective to the scene. And it's all fun in how you have to weave that to happen because you're dealing both with the here and now and behind the veil. Um, and you have to make it believable uh, to, to the reader so that it's not just, you know, selling it, it's not just trying to pull a fast one over so that, you know, and the biggest compliment I'll get is people say, well, well, when she did this, is, does that really happen? And I go, this is fiction. <laughs> so uh, that does make me feel good that I've been able to weave the story well enough that somebody will go, you know, that, yeah, <laughs> that happens. <laughs> Now, as you mentioned, you had five books in your previous series, the Carol Child series. There was A Shadow of a Doubt, Beyond a Doubt, Without a Doubt, Room for Doubt, and Reason for Doubt. And mm -hmm. Mr. Dawn first appeared as a supporting character in uh, one of those books. So were you working on the Misty Dawn uh, novels while you were still writing the Carol Childs, or had you finished with the Carol Childs and Misty took you in a new direction? Uh, I was kidnapped. <laughs> That's really the best way to say. Missy Dawn appeared in book one. She doesn't appear again in the Carol Childs until book four and five. And I did not intend to take her out on her own. Um, I was going to sit down and write a sixth book. And I was talking to my publisher at the time. And I said, I could do this. And she liked the idea. She was buying off of the premise. And she wanted to see some, some notes and so forth. And then I said, you know, and I was at a conference. And I said, I don't know why I'm going to tell you this. Uh, I'll just tell you it. I said, I have this, this idea about this aging psychic, former Hollywood psychic to the stars. And she's living in this old craftsman that this old, that this uh, former 
uh, set designer owned where every room is a different, if it's a different stage setting. So downstairs, it's Sunset Boulevard. Upstairs, it's Cat in the Hot Tin Roof. And he is very, very particular about things being exactly as they are. And she moves in and discovers he's still very much there. And my publisher just, just her eyes just got bigger and she grabbed my hand and she says, you have to write that book. And so I said, really? <laughs> and I said, and she said, yeah, you have to write that book. And I, I, it was about a year later and I was really getting ready to, because we were in the midst of launching book four or five, I guess, and the other one, uh, Carol Child. And I sat down and I thought, oh yeah, well, I, I'd kind of put that in the back burner in my mind. And then I called her one day and I said, okay, so here's the notes on the, the one on the sixth book. And she said, no, I want the one on Misty. Um, so I thought, Two things. Number one, uh, the Misty, the Carol Child's book are just really uh, straightforward um, kind of uh, light mysteries, you know, soft-boiled mysteries. They're not, they're not hard-boiled. They're, they're just soft-boiled because there's no sex or violence or any four-letter words because we couldn't use those when I was in radio, so you couldn't do that. So they're very clean. Uh, the violence happens off the page because that's indeed how it happened. When you go out as a reporter, you don't see the murder. You come after things that have happened and you talk to people, but you don't ever have it on the page. So that was a very easy series to write in that regard. But I always felt like when I was dealing with my publisher that her her uh, core was uh, cozies. And I hadn't really given her a cozy. So I thought, well, let's just see if I could do that and if it made a difference and it does give me another platform from which to expose myself. So I thought I'll sit down and I'll make this a cozy. But I, I told her up front, I said, this will only be a trilogy because this is the evolution of Wilson. This is really the evolution of Wilson. And um, so I had only planned for three and I'm finishing up the third one right now. So uh yeah, I just got kidnapped. Misty said this is going to happen, and Wilson came to me. And as the more I thought about it, I realized I had known Wilson from many, many years ago, and he was a young fellow I knew that had uh, had passed on. So I thought it was funny when he just came to me as the shade. I thought, okay, this explains it, and I've just had fun with it. It uh, it's really written written itself, uh, and it's been a way of dealing with helping people to come to terms with. Um, there's more than just the here and now, whatever your belief system, things, you know, past lives of people stay with us and make us better people. If we allow that to the good memories to go on. So it's been a very positive influence to write these series, this series. And it's, it's probably one of my favorites, uh, that I've done. And, uh, speaking of, of the past and history, uh, the, the past in the form of historic homes uh, play roles in the new series. Um, you also mentioned some of the, the rooms in um, Wilson's house are, are decorated like uh, sets from old Hollywood wood films. So tell us about your research into the history of Hollywood in greater Los Angeles, which are places that many of us associated, associate with the latest and greatest trends more than we associate with the past or history. Well, it's, I always try to stick, um, I think it's, mystery writers are most successful if they can stick close to the truth and then just slide slightly left of center or right of center, whatever you want to do, because then you've, you've, you've couched your series in reality. So if I were to drive off Mulholland Drive, around off Mulholland Drive and look 
uh, toward the ocean there, you're going to see some huge mansions. There's a, a section of town where there's a lot of very wealthy estates. And by estates, they're acreage. And it's, you know, long mile drives up to these huge very interesting estates. Now, if you've traveled to Europe, they're not any bigger than the castles, and they're not as nice as the castles. But you know, they're they're there. They're 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 built in kind of chateaus and so forth. And they're called you know the the millionaires row and so forth. And, and that's just fascinating when you hear the name like that. You know, we have. Um, I live just below Mulholland Drive, and it's always interesting when I go up on Mulholland Drive. You have all of these these uh, tours, these tour buses. At least you did before we, the current times that we're in right now. <laughs> you have tour buses, and we'll pass a dozen of them, and they're open-air buses, and people are out here, and they're, they're pointing, and they're looking off at the, the – the, you can see the ocean on one side and the valley on another, and then they're going off down into Beverly Hills and into these uh, very lovely homed areas and so forth. And I thought, well, if people are interested in that tourists, they'd probably love to know the back stories of some of these houses. And, of course, coming as a reporter, you have to change. If you're going to write fiction, you better change the names and places and lives of people. So it's just similar but not the same. And right. so I've done that. Uh, and so, you know, you'll take some of these homes and you say, okay, you know, it's a 15-acre estate. and It's 20,000 square feet, you know, and... You and I both know it's, you know, maybe so-and-so's former home, but we're not going to say that. And so we've used, we've just used the kind of the layout of that and put a character in it that uh, may not be similar to the actual who lived there. But uh, each of the stories, for instance, the story in the first, uh, the first book, The House on Hallowed Ground, um, I was out getting my nails done and there was a a uh, girl who was in the next chair for me and she is a, a well-known actress <laughs> and you know she had been she had been leasing a home uh in uh in the Fryman Estates and uh she who's just telling the the manicure she says I, I I'm moving I'm getting out of there the place is haunted and of course I'm just kind of like leaving him closer and closer and trying not to, you know, you, you try not to be, you know, you don't want to be, this, this is a, you know, a popular person and she doesn't want to be surrounded by people who are going to take her picture or ask her questions, but I, I can't help but be interested. So I'm just kind of listening. And indeed she said this house that she was, was living in, which I later called the pink mansion in the first one, she said, you know, that, that there had been a little girl ghost there. I thought, oh my gosh! I mean, just getting chills down my back as I'm listening. And she said, I saw her just the little patter of feet running up and down the hallway at night, and the giggling. And I thought, oh my gosh! Yeah. And so I actually, um, you know, because if you have a death in a house, you have to report it. So I actually did a little research and found out that there had been a young girl that had died in the back pool. Oh. oh. Okay, so <laughs> I'm thinking, there's my story. I mean, there was the crux of the story. I needed to change the name of the characters and so forth. And that was my story because it was believable. Whether you believe the little girl was actually hurt or, but she had died in that house. And this actress who's very credible and a big name, you know, she, she moved out. She, she wouldn't stay there. So I thought I had to do that story. And I've always felt the story picks the writer. You know, um, you can try to make it up, but the story of the story will pick you again. It was why I couldn't not write the Misty Dawn book. It was the first of the series is because the story was not leaving me alone. It just wouldn't let me not write it. Um, and so I thought, well, I guess I better sit down and write it. And the more I wrote it, the more I worked at it, the more the characters came to life, the more I realized that I knew Wilson. You know, I just, it was as though this friend of mine who from back in my college days had come back into my life. 
and I remembered the conversations and the slackstick comedy and the the, the off the offhandedness of this, and I thought, okay, you got it. I, I will put you in this book. You're here, wow. <laughs> and so that's been very real to me, you know, for that reason. And of course, you know, the best fiction stories, as as you uh, mentioned, have some grain of truth that at least inspired them. So do readers come to you and and try and guess? Say, I know which house the pink house really is, or I, I know which house the house that Vanity Built really is, or I know who this <laughs> person you're not naming really is? Uh, no, I haven't had that. You know, and, you know, part of it is that, and, uh, you know, you spend so much time down that rabbit hole yourself writing, and you just don't know who's really reading you or not. Uh, you know, from time to time, somebody will say, oh, I read your book, or you'll see a review, and you think, oh, gee, that wasn't my mother who wrote that. <laughs> it wasn't my sister, and you're just so delighted that somebody else read it. But no, I haven't had anybody actually come up to me and say that. Um, you know, it's just, uh, I haven't had that opportunity yet. I would love to, but <laughs> I haven't. And what other, what other Hollywood stories, uh, other than the unnamed famous actress and her little girl ghost, have captured your attention that might work their way into a, a future book? Well, the next two, um, and as I said, there's only going to be three. Each one is its own mystery. But the second one, um, you know, when I was getting into it, uh, you know, the young girl that shows up at the door has lost her engagement ring, and she is engaged to the heir to a, a very large international cosmetics empire. And I started to think, well, what would make these cosmetics unusual? And I thought it was uh, bee venom. Um, and then I started to do some research and I found out that bee venom is actually used in some cosmetics to, uh, is a, is a kind of replacement for Botox. And I thought, well, no, they're not unusual because I had no idea about that. So then I had to interview bee, beekeepers because I wanted to see, well, how on earth would you milk a bee? I mean, the equivalent of milking a bee because I don't want to kill a bee. We need bees. Bees are important. So I uh, thought, how would they do this? And I discovered a way of milking a bee. And I thought, well, how many people know how to milk a bee today? <laughs> I mean, I think this is kind of a I'm guessing. So, yeah, but that's it actually is done because these, there are, it is a, a, a if you Google um, bee venom for cosmetics, it's, it, it is something that is being done. And I thought, so this is interesting. This is what was going to make this cosmetic king. This was going to make his empire so much bigger than anything else. And of course, what would be uh, the natural um, problem uh, for bee venom would be somebody who would be highly allergic to it. And that would be the son, the young girl's fiance, who dies. And so I thought, oh, this is interesting. <laughs> and so I had to go a whole lot of research into bee venom and how and reacts and how uh, epinephrine reacts. And you're a doctor, so, you know, how long does it stay in the system? And does it dissipate real quickly? And so that was a whole other one. Uh, so the research is, so the book one, the research was psychics. Uh, book two, it was bee venom. And uh, book three, which I'm on right now, and honestly, I'm, I can't remember what it is that I'm, working on in that, but it's something else that you get, you, you go down a rabbit hole on and you learn a lot about and never would have anticipated you would have done about that. Yeah, I'm assuming book three is also set in Hollywood. Yeah, they're all set in Misty's house with, with Wilson. So they're all set. It just, it's, you know, somebody comes, Oh, book three is set in a theater. Excuse me. It's set in a theater. Um, 
and uh, it's, a, it's a theater that's about to be demolished. And um, it's a really interesting uh, premise because um, if, if you've ever gone to a theater, you, you probably do, you know there's a, that they're haunted, <laughs> that they just are. Um, and uh, there's a thing called the ghost light, and the ghost light sits on the center stage. And when everything is done, you shut the lights, except you leave the light on center stage. And there's a... a Actors will tell you, well, you leave, who believe in this, they say, well, there's, you leave the light on center stage, you like the light for the ghost. So he, you know, it, also the stage manager will tell you, well, you like the lights for the witch. It's come in when the theater's dark, you don't trip. So you can believe it if you want. You know, you can believe it if you want. But this uh, theater is about to be demolished because it's uh, right on Sunset Boulevard where there was an old theater and it was demolished because they were, you know, regentrification, uh, going to put up big high rises and so forth, and the theater would be moved. And so the former ghost who belonged to the theater, who lived in the theater, has now left because he's gone. And so Wilson is fascinated by that because having been a former set designer, this is an opportunity for him. And so this works well into Wilson's wheelhouse because this is exactly where he would like to be. And the mystery takes place inside the theater. And that was fun too. And that kind of tickled me when I realized that because I had to do all this research about theaters and you know ghosts and theaters and how that worked. Now Hollywood as a town that probably has as many broken dreams as it has glitz and glamour has some ghost stories of its own so do you have a favorite Hollywood ghost story? Oh golly uh you know yes um on Hollywood uh, Way, uh, there are a bunch of old hotels, that, which used to be speakeasies, you know. Um, and, of course, uh, under Hollywood Way and, and, and over on Venice, too, in Venice, California, uh, there are a lot of tunnels because that would be where they would have to bring in the uh, booze. <laughs> and uh, you couldn't bring it into the streets back in the time of, the time of you know, uh, when we, where that was illegal. And so... You would go to the speakeasy, and then when the police would raid it, the the people would rush out into the tunnels under the hotels uh, to get away. And so there's a lot of stories, and some of the old tunnels now have been blocked off, and, and yet now they're going through at times where the, you know, the plumbing in the city was put in well over 100 years ago, and they've got to redo this, and the streets are, you know having problems and so they'll run into tunnels and so you hear different stories or you'll see different things but also in the roosevelt hotel which is a wonderful old hotel down on, on hollywood uh, boulevard there uh which is supposedly haunted and clark gable and uh his later wife um gosh i'm gonna drive uh carol lombard used to have little trysts there and their ghosts have been seen there so you hear about that every once in a while and then charlie chaplin you hear and then there's another wonderful restaurant. We, we, one of my favorite restaurants, which is 100 years old, is right down there on Hollywood Boulevard. It's called the um, uh, Mousseau and Franks. And uh, Charlie Chaplin, uh, his studios uh, were, the restaurant opened in uh, 1919. And Charlie Chapman used to have his studios right off about on Highland, about a mile away. And he would be known to ride his horse down to Hollywood Way and he would tie him up in front and have the front table there. And uh, there are people who say they still see him there. And then Orson Welles used to dine there. And it's just a great old, old, they have a menu that they print out every day. 
and you there is an actually a, a countertop where you can go and and uh, order pancakes in the morning and uh, chicken pot pie on Thursday and and a, and a fabulous steak uh, or seafood uh, you know Spanish bolognese or something like that any any evening you want and it's wonderful and it's uh it's got a great old bar a big mahogany bar and wonderful crystal chandelier you know. Uh, Dish, uh, glasses and so forth. So it's there's a lot of places like that, and they're a lot of fun. And then there's a real Chinatown. You know, you have a real Chinatown where you still have, you know, the dim sum ladies that go by with their plates and so forth. So it's a city with so much atmosphere. I like to write about it, and I like to take pieces of it and include it in my stories because there it's very diverse. You know, so I I try to make sure I have a, a lot of different type of. Um, people in my stories with different backgrounds and cultures and so forth. So that it's, it's very, uh, it's very LA, you know, it's what I see anyway. And so readers will be able to read about a, a piece of your Hollywood in your second Misty Dawn uh, novel on May 12th. Is that when it, when it premieres, I believe. That's when it comes out and it's called the house that vanity built. Yeah. And that's the one that takes place with the cosmetic empire and, uh, that's a, it's been a fun one. It was a fun one to write, and I'm just finishing up the third one now, and I'm hoping it'll be out at the end of the year, and uh, then I'll be on to something else, <laughs> and it'll be the end of Misty Dawn's series for me, anyway. And any any ideas of what'll come after Misty Dawn? Uh, yes, but it's a totally different genre. Um, I uh, lost my father this year in June, and uh, he, uh, or your dad, was a World War II veteran. And uh, I'm going to tell his story because he was shot down uh, during the Second World War. And after he passed, I got a bunch of old, um, um, gosh, uh, navigator logs and uh, notes from where he was and what he did. And I thought, okay, this is, this is uh, once again, story has picked the writer. So I'm going to burrow down and spend a year researching. And uh, who knows, maybe you'll see me flying a B-24. <laughs> <laughs> Can buzz <laughs> yeah <laughs> we'll see and where can readers buy a copy of uh, your misty dawn and your carol child's novels okay they're available online or they, if you go into a bookstore and ask for them uh you can get them there uh depending if they're carrying them but they you know would you, they have access to it but uh amazon barnes noble uh just about anywhere they sell books you can find it uh, or you can Google me, uh, Nancy Cole Silverman, uh, on Facebook. I have my website, uh, and uh, order basically through a book, book through any of the bookstore uh, sellers. Yes, and especially the independent bookstores, which can really use our support during. Uh, hopefully oh, the, absolutely! The podcast is out. The pandemic shutdowns will be over, but just in case, support your independent bookstores. <laughs> That's true. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, where can readers uh, find you to find out more about you on uh, social media? You mentioned you have a website. What's your, your website? I have a website, yeah, and I've got several audio uh, books on there. Are there audio shorts, audio short stories? Because um, my background in radio, I always like to do short stories, and those are always kind of fun, and I've got a couple of them that are available. If you go to my website and it's under the books and you look down on the scan in the books, you'll see audio books, and they're free to listen to. Um, and uh, that'd be kind of the, the basic place. I, I don't spend a lot of time blogging. <laughs> Probably should, but I'm too busy writing. Um, and uh, between that and Facebook, uh, that would be really where I am. 
Okay, and uh, what's the URL of your website? Uh, NancyColeSilverman.com. And how do they find you on Facebook? Uh, just Nancy Cole Silverman author or Nancy Cole Silverman. <laughs> <laughs> and how about Twitter or Instagram? Or you, uh, can they find you on either? Uh, I don't spend a lot of time on Twitter or Instagram. I mean, I'm there, but I, I, it's just more than I can do. <laughs> I just, I, you know, I always feel like I, you have to have good product. I remember when I began writing, I kept saying, how can I ever get a book? How can I ever be a writer? And somebody says, well, what have you got? And I thought, you know what? That's the truth. You got to sit down and have product. If you're spending all this time talking about you want to be, you don't have product, so you better have product. So I have decided at this point in my life, I, I need to produce. And so I've got a number of books out there and more I want to write. And so that's where my time is toward writing. Okay. Well, thank you very much for chatting with me today, Nancy. Oh, thank you so much for Alexia. You're wonderful to do this and best of luck with all your ventures as well. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Nancy Cole Silverman, author of The Carol Childs and the Misty Dawn Mysteries. Her latest, The House That Vanity Built, will be available May 12th. I'm Alexia Gordon, host of the Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Until next time, goodbye. Hello, listeners. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. I wanted to take a moment to tell you about another can't-miss podcast, The Crime Writers of Color. Hosted by Robert Justice, it's the podcast for readers who want to add some spice to their reading and diversity to their bookshelves. Listen to interviews with today's leading and emerging crime writers of color. The first episode features the multi-award-winning author of the Detective by Day Mysteries, Kelly Garrett. Listen on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or Google Podcast. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Welcome to the Crime Writers of Color podcast. We are a group founded by award-winning authors Kelly Garrett, Gigi Pondian, and the one and only Walter Mosley. My name is Robert Justice, and I am your host for this journey into the world created by the words of today's leading crime writers of color. To connect with us, please visit our website, crimewritersofcolor.com. While you're there, you can find out more about who we are, check out our books and new releases, and also be sure to sign up for our email list so you can stay up to date on all the latest happenings. We are glad you are here. been listening to the cozy corner with alexia gordon thank you for joining me for another chat with an author writing on the less gritty side of crime a new episode is out every other wednesday subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform and if you enjoy the show please leave a five-star rating and review follow the podcast on twitter and instagram at podcast underscore cozy and on facebook at the cozy corner podcast this has been your host alexia gordon Thanks for listening. Until next time, goodbye.